effective R value. This is 7 Minutes of BS. Building science with a beat. I'm Dan Morrison, editor of Pro Tradecraft. The R value is a measure of the resistance of a material to heat flow. And that is Jonathan Smeagol with RDH Building Science Laboratories. Therefore, the greater the R value, the better the insulator the material is. And there's a formula for it if you're interested. It's the temperature difference on either side of something divided by its heat flux, which is basically its ability to keep the temperatures separate. The R value of a material is determined by holding temperatures constant on each side of a material, typically at 50 Fahrenheit and 100 Fahrenheit, which has a mean temperature of 75 Fahrenheit and measuring the heat flux that crosses the sample. This is the standard at which all insulations are tested and reported. At least insulation products that are used in the building enclosure. There's some arguments that this temperature range of 50 to 100 isn't an appropriate temperature to measure R value because that's not typically the temperature range where we need a lot of insulation. It's like choosing insulation products to work best where we least need them. Mild climate zones. It's not really a dirty little secret of R-value, but it's not not one either. But let's back up a little bit to where R-value came from. The R-value was proposed in 1945 by Everett Schumann at Penn State University as a way to easily compare insulation performance. Before that, scientists used U-factor, a measure of thermal transmittance, and K-value, a measure of thermal conductivity. Both U-factor and K-values yield very small numbers, and smaller is better. For example, EPS foam has a K-value of like 0.033, and wood studs have a K-value of like 0.5 or so. Everyone knows that small numbers are boring, so somebody in a marketing department somewhere decided to flip the equation. The inverse of small numbers are big numbers, and flipping the equation makes the curve into a straight line on a graph, which is easier to read. So that's what stuck. In Canada and the U.S., U-factor often refers to an assembly, usually windows, and R-value refers to a material, like fiberglass or spray foam. In Europe, they pretty much use U-factor for everything. Also, it's important to keep in mind that the R-value of most materials actually changes at different temperature ranges, which is the main reason that we've been doing our R-value testing in our lab over four or five mean temperatures, from cold all the way to hot for many years. Incidentally, the way they test windows is to put a bunch of tennis balls on top of cans of cold beer on one side of a wall with a window in it. On the other side, black labs pant at the window as they look at the tennis balls. They measure how long the beer stays cold. There's no word yet on whether they drink the beer and throw the tennis balls for the dogs after the test is over, but it seems likely. Most materials have slightly higher R-values at colder temperatures and slightly lower R-value at hotter temperatures. And then there's some insulation materials that have a maximum R-value right at the test requirement of a mean temperature of 75, and the R-value decreases both when it's warmer and colder than 75 Fahrenheit. Another dirty little secret, perhaps, but one that probably misses the bigger point about R-value, that walls, roofs, and floors are not made with one material. In fact, they're assemblies of many materials squashed together by people working in the mud, snow, sun, and rain. The wall assembly has many components that pass through the insulation that we call thermal bridges that reduce the overall effectiveness of the insulation. So the number on the insulation package only refers to the actual insulation installed perfectly at the optimal temperature range in a lab. The R value of the wall is much different than the big number on the box or the bag. 
Historically, people would put an R-19 bat into their wood stud wall and then report that they have an R-19 wall assembly. But when the air gaps around the perimeter of the insulation are added to the thermal bridges created by studs and the insulating properties of other layers of an assembly, the number's a lot different. That's why the RDH Building Science Laboratory team suggests using the term effective R-values of wall assemblies. That is why we need to start talking about effective R-values of wall assemblies. For example, if you were to put an R19 bat into a wood stud wall with studs approximately 16 inches on center, you are reduced to a best case scenario of an effective R value of R13, so a reduction of R6, just by putting it into the wood stud wall. And that doesn't even take into account areas of increased framing or the R values of windows, doors, and the effects of air leakage, which will all decrease the overall effective R value even further. There's a lot more to a club sandwich than sliced turkey. And many layers that make up that sandwich taste different than a slice of turkey. Likewise, when you put insulation into a wall, it acts differently than either an empty wall or a pile of insulation behaves. It behaves like an assembly of materials attached to each other. Done well, the assembly can provide structure, water control, air control, and heat control. Often, though, they do not. And it's not just because of knuckle-dragging contractors. Recently, we were reviewing an enclosure design for a building that will be constructed in a very cool climate. Think coldest parts of Climate Zone 8. And we were told that they had an R50 wall assembly, which is appropriate for that climate zone. Well, when we looked at the enclosure drawings, we found out that they had planned to put R51 of spray foam into a very wide steel stud wall cavity. Based on the gauge of the framing and the spacing of the steel for structural requirements, this R51 actually became approximately R12 effective. Before the installers even had a chance to screw it up, the R value had plummeted from R51 to R12. That's a 75% drop if everything is installed perfectly. This difference is going to be a problem in the severe climate where it's being constructed. In this severe climate, they chose thicker wall studs to overcome heat loss, but they were barking up the wrong thermal tree. There's a lot of people that try to fix thermal bridging by just making the cavity bigger and adding more insulation, but in fact, you just lose a larger percentage of your R value every time you do that. In this case, they were using steel studs, which have an R value of something like negative infinity, so it almost doesn't matter how deep the walls are. Heat has an Autobahn highway every 16 inches. We had to change the design to have a significant portion of the R value installed as continuous exterior insulation outside of the main structure. Wrapping the framing with insulation instead of relying on insulation between the studs stops almost all thermal bridges and it's relatively easy to install well. That being said, even exterior continuous insulation can get screwed up. For example, if you run continuous horizontal or vertical z-girts on the outside of your structure through the insulation to support the cladding, you lose somewhere between 50% and 80% of your insulation R value as a result. In residential construction, you're not as likely to see clips unless architects are involved, but more commonly, you will see wood strapping installed over the exterior insulation and attached through the insulation with long screws back to the structure. Then the cladding is attached directly to the wood strapping. This works really well for a wide range of claddings, except for some of the heaviest claddings that may require some extra support. The only thermal bridges are the screws that penetrate the framing every couple of feet. 
Yes, the screws are part of the assembly and they count as thermal bridges, but they are teeny bridges, so they're usually an acceptable trade-off. If you want to determine the R value of a large full-scale test wall, like in a big laboratory with a big hot you're box, you're going to want to look at ASTM C1363, which is a test method for figuring out the R value of a very large building assembly. It is literally titled Standard Test Method for Thermal Performance of Building Materials and Envelope Assemblies by Means of a Hot Box Apparatus. About 12 years ago, we started building building a very large climate chamber in our uh, laboratory to measure the R value of full-scale wall assemblies. In our climate chamber, we can measure wall assemblies 12 feet wide and 8 feet high and get the effective R value, taking into account all components of the wall system as well as the losses as a result of air leakage and pressurization. The climate side of the thermometric box can vary between negative 30 Celsius and 60 Celsius. For those of you keeping score, that's between minus 22 and 140 Fahrenheit on the climate side. And we keep the room side at around 22 Celsius. About 72 Fahrenheit. We could pressurize the wall assemblies to determine the effective R value as a result of air leakage. In fact, they have pressurized and tested many types of wall assemblies. We've tested many wall assemblies, including wood frame, steel frame, many types of insulation. And it always seems to come back to a simple truth. No matter what insulation you use, whether it be fiberglass, XPS, EPS, polyiso, or spray foam, it must be installed properly in order to get the maximum R value you can out of the insulation material. Putting the R in insulation is what Pro Tradecraft is all about. Remember, you get paid for what you do and what you know. And if you don't know what you're doing, doesn't matter how well you do it, right? Think about that one while I thank Jonathan Smeagol and RDH Building Science Laboratories for being such willing participants in our show. Seven Minutes of BS is a production of the SGC Horizon Media Network. <laughs>